0: You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus.
1: Play fake, going to roll right, dumps it off into the right flat to Michael Bumpus who bounces off of one tackler, gets inside the 40 down to the 35-yard line. Powered by Seahawks.com. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team.
0: Now, here's your host, Nassachobi. Welcome to another edition of Hawk Talk. Michael Bumbis myself Nassachobi. We're back at it again this time to preview the Detroit Lions. The Seahawks are trying to bounce back after two straight losses to the San Francisco 49ers and the Atlanta Falcons, but for more on those Lions, let's get into it. What's on tap? What's on tap? Detroit bump one and two tied for last place in the NFC South. I just I don't know why I keep throwing last place in there, man. It's three weeks. I'm out here throwing that around. It's the third week in a row. I just left that in there. You know what I'm don't saying? Stop judging them. <laughs> no, these 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 Lions are a good football team. I'm not I'm gonna be consistent throughout this podcast. This is a good football team. They are way better than yeah. that one and two record. They lost the opening week 38-35 to what we're seeing now is a good Philadelphia Eagles team. that's undefeated. They go ahead and beat the Commanders 36 to 27 in week two, and then in week three they lose a heartbreaker to the Vikings 28 24. And like I said, they're a good football team. They got good players on offense and defense. And and bump man, what you see from these lines against the Vikings, man, they had a 10 point lead, man. What happened,
1: man? I was we're watching. Uh, the scores, obviously keeping track of what's going on. And these guys jumped out to a 14 0 lead. Uh, in the second quarter, we're like, okay, Lions, you're doing your thing. But right before the half, the Vikings would tie it up, of course, getting Dalvin Cook involved. And then in the third quarters, it was all Lions. They scored 10 points. They took a 24 to 14 lead going into the fourth. But then things got a little bit interesting. Trailing 24 to 21 with 236 remaining, the Vikings turned the ball over on downs at the Minnesota 47. 47- Yard line. What happened next?
0: The Vikings, sorry. The Vikings went on to that 56 yard and just three plays for a touchdown bump. And the reason I got tripped up there for a second is because Dan Campbell, Mr. Go for it on fourth down six times in one football game. I don't know aggressive. what the I don't know what the analytics say, but <laughs> six times and uh, you know, he's kicking himself after the fact. I, I wouldn't be harder. I'm giving that situation. That's the right call. You kick the field goal, your field goal kicker doesn't help you out. They miss it. Vikings flip, turn around, go just three plays, fifty-six yards, get that touchdown to KJ Osborne. And Jared Goff, you know, he had decent numbers. Twenty-five of forty one, two seventy-seven, one touchdown, one pick. Um Jamal Williams led the lines in rushing with eighty seven yards and twenty carries and two touchdowns. But, yeah, I mean, that's a game that the Lions feel they should have won and definitely kicking themselves with a division rival like that on the road.
1: Yep, Josh Reynolds led all receivers. He has six for 96. And as always, man, this is one of the most underrated receivers in this league. Um, Monroe, St Brown out of USC has six receptions for 96 yards. So you look at all that that happened during this game, and you got to respect these dudes. We know the Vikings have a high-powered offense. We know the Lions have a high-powered offense. We'll talk about where the rankings are here. But uh, respect this team. Now, here's the head-to-head comparison. Let's talk about this offense. You look at just Lions offense, rank number three overall, 409 yards per game, running the rock, a category that the Hawks have struggled with a little bit, right? 170 yards per game. That's third pass offense. They're 16th, but points per game. They will put points on the scoreboard, 31 points per game. Hawks better come ready to play. Yeah, those numbers jump
0: off, and we've been saying this week about waiting a little bit of time. Through three games, there's enough data out there that there's some validity in some of these numbers. doesn't mean yeah. teams can't get better, can't get worse, but there's something behind them a little bit, and you see a third-ranked rushing offense. You see number two putting up points per game. This is an offense that's not, not to mess with. They're doing some really good things. You know, on the flip side, the Seahawks are kind of finding the 49ers game really torpedoed any offensive numbers in terms of comparison Mm -hmm. to the rest of the league. They rank at 28th in total offense right now, 29th in rush defense, offense, uh, 21st in pass offense, and points per game, they're tied for 28th. So when you don't score any points in week two, offensively, of course, your numbers aren't going to look well. So the Seahawks definitely trying to catch the lines in those numbers. But when you flip it over to the defensive side bump, the Lions, that's kind of where they come back to earth a little bit. They're giving yep. up a ton of yards, uh, four hundred and eight yards per game. That's 28th. They're giving up 142 yards on the ground. They're giving up 265 yards through the air. That's 25th in the league. And they're allowing a ton of points. So they're scoring a bunch of points, but they're giving up a ton yeah. of points. Last in the league, giving up 31 points per game. So obviously there's good players on that defensive unit, but they're a young defense, and there's definitely some room to improve from a Lions standpoint.
1: Yeah, you look at those numbers, the lions are like, cool, we'll put up four hundred yards, we'll give up four hundred yards. Cool, we'll put up thirty points, we'll give up thirty points. So it's um it this is a game that has the potential to be some type of a shootout. We didn't expect that with the Atlanta Falcons. We thought it'd be a, a, a low scoring game, but with this, when you look at the numbers, you expect a high scoring game, but you know how this game goes, man. It's the NFL. You never know what you're going to get stat leaders for each team. You look at Swift, who I don't think is playing this week. He has two, he leads the team with 231 rushing yards for the lions. Of course you got a Monroe St. Brown. Doing his thing over there, leading in receptions and reception yards. And then for the Seahawks, Penny's leading the way with 141 on the ground. Gino 717 through the air. And uh Will Disley, man. What does he got? Two receiving touchdowns for the Seattle Seahawks. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And then it makes you curious a bit too because you want the tight ends to get involved. Uncle Will, two touchdowns. That's what's up. But you're also like, all right, all right, lock it. Okay, DK. Let's uh let's get these guys some some red zone touches as well
0: absolutely i mean it's great like you said will disley you love to spread the ball around you for the tight ends to be involved but when you think of scoring you're thinking of two guys like you said number 14 number 16 those are the guys getting right. touchdown dk metcalf i believe had 12 touchdowns last season so those are the guys you want to get really more involved in the scoring part i know they will it's early in the season so hopefully those get you know lifted up uh Woolen checking in with the one interception on defenses here which is good hopefully those numbers go up as well so pretty balanced there hoping the seahawks and kind of Figure some things out this week They kind of started yeah, that process Against the Falcons mm-hmm. so I feel like they're well on their way But these teams are pretty familiar With each other in recent years Let's know the history No, your history. Seahawks lead the all-time series 11-5, to 1-0 in the postseason. Seahawks have won seven of the last eight meetings against the Lions. And last year, Bump, it was in week 17 towards the end of the year. It was the second week of snow, I believe, at Lumen Field. So it was kind of tough to get around. Yeah. You saw that with the crowd. But the Seahawks won big in the final home game of 2021, beating the Lions 51-29. to Seahawks were rolling on offense. Now it's kind of the first time last year that they looked fully normal after Russell Wilson's finger injury. Penny Rashad Penny went off 170 yards, 25 carries, two touchdowns. DK was balling too; had three touchdowns. Russell Wilson had four touchdowns on the day. Some more guys are no longer here. DJ Reed had two interceptions. Ugo Amadi also got a pick. And the 51 points were the third most I looked up. Third most points the Seahawks have scored in franchise history.
1: Wow.
0: I did not know that. I don't remember that at the time. So that 51-burger was a big one for them. But one of the bright spots, and again, we'll continue to talk about him and, and uh, man up, but Detroit, on Ross, St. Brown, was rookie last year in that game, eight receptions, 111 yards in one touchdown. So hopefully we see a little bit more of the same. I would love to see 50 points on the scoreboard down there at Ford Field for the Seahawks. So that was the last time, but let's go around the NFC West. What's the word? And the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West
1: on Hawk Talk? It's pretty out West. The Los Angeles Rams are on top of the division at two and one. Everyone else, one and two. Frisco, Cardinals, Seahawks, everybody is knotted up. And now we're going to focus on the Rams and the Cardinals. Now, the Rams have just been dominant. Um, against the Cardinals. Man, they secured a 20-12 to 12 victory, making it the 11th victory out of the last 12 games, dating back to 2017. That is dominance right there. Now, it wasn't pretty, but it felt like the Rams were pretty much in control of the whole game. They jump out to a 13-0 lead. Uh, Cooper Cup has a rushing touchdown. You know, he's going to score every single game. And the Cardinals just score touchdowns four field goals by Matt Prater. If that is your fantasy kicker, good for you. You got a lot of points, but if you had Kyler Murray, it wasn't that great. Now the, the Carlos won the time possession out and outgained the Rams and had first downs to them. They had drives of 19 plays, 16 plays, 12 plays, 17 plays, but had to settle for field goals. That has to be frustrating. You you're putting together drives like that. You're thinking, okay, the offense is moving. We're clicking. But at the moment of truth, you had to put it on the foot. Now the the game would have been over sooner, but Cam Akers fumbles on the one yard line when the Rams could have gone up twenty seven to nine. Now let's focus on Kyler Murray, right? The two hundred million dollar man, mm-hmm. thirty seven to fifty eight, three fourteen, but had no touchdowns and only eight rushing yards. Eight rushing yards, no touchdowns. That don't sound like Kyler Murray.
0: Oh, not at all. When, when you said it, I, I had to like, I, I didn't even believe myself when I saw they had drives of 19, 17, 12. Like how in the that's, that is incredibly hard to do to not score touchdowns. 19 right. play drive a 17 play drive. I mean, those are going to be their longest drives of the season, hands down, both in the same game. Yep. And then when you see those stats, you're assuming on drives that long, Kyler Murray's doing something when he 58 times, they're throwing that thing, man. 58 times. Yeah. Probably a little off on the ratio. Um, but that's kind of how the game was going. But it's, they're not going to win. I'll put it this way they're not going to win any games with when Murray does not have touchdowns or rushing yards. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah. I, the way that they're built, everything kind of goes through him. He's such a playmaker in the open space, scrambling, making plays. If he doesn't have any touchdowns and he's not producing that way, I don't think they win games. So definitely will be interesting to see. The one bright spot for the Cardinals is that Cooper Cup somehow was held to a modest four reception for 44 yards, did have that rushing touchdown, but. I also promise you that's probably going to be his lowest
1: stat line of the year too, for sure. You know, you know, Cooper Cup. He, he good for eight at least, a hundred at least, and a couple tatties. So I guess uh, a a bright spot for the Cardinals was Marquise Brown Hollywood. Yeah, he had fourteen for one forty, but uh, they they got a couple guys on the injury list too now. Man, you got Rondell who's out. Sounds like AJ Green is going to be out, so they're going to have to lean on uh, Hollywood Brown more and more this year, for sure. Now.
0: Switching gears in that same division, the 49ers, they're at the Broncos. Now, anyone who's in Seattle had a vested interest in this game, you know, licking your wounds after the Seahawks lost to the Falcons, and you're thinking, okay, the Broncos come in. They've looked horrible offensively, mismanaged clock, one, one and one coming in. The 49ers, who you just played, looked really good against you, and obviously there's a rooting interest. You don't want the 49ers to win because it's a division rival. You don't want the Broncos to win because the other guy playing quarterback for them now, who's not playing for you anymore, and because and really my interest right here is the draft pick draft picks. I could yes. care less about Russell Wilson. I care about that draft pick. So, and you know, if they lost every game, I wouldn't be mad. You know what I'm saying? Right. But anyway, <laughs> this was another game that wasn't pretty Broncos barely slid by winning 11, 10. And this game featured a lot of punts bump Broncos punted nine of their first 11 possessions. Man. First of all, they're having all kinds of possessions. That's how, you know, it's a bad game because everyone had all kinds of possessions, <laughs> but to their credit, and to Russell's credit, when the game was on the line, the Broncos did come down with a big 12-play, 80-yard drive, ending with a Melvin Gordon touchdown. Went for two, didn't get it, leaving the score 11-10 to 10 with four minutes left. Then Jimmy G was picked off in the ensuing drive at midfield, essentially ending the game. They did get the ball back, but Jeff Wilson Jr. fumbled, you know, erasing any uh, chances of a miracle comeback. Now, Bump, man, the quarterback play was pretty rough in this one.
1: Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Guy Russell. He got the game, he won the game, right? Beautiful back shoulder throw to kind of set up that run by Melvin Gordon. But throughout the game, he struggled 20 of 33, 184. No touchdowns, no interceptions, took care of the rock for the most part, but he was sacked four times and was a part of nine, three in outs. It has to be one of the ugliest games in Russell Wilson's career, Uh, but he wins. And I I think that's what, um, what you can always count on what Russell is, that no matter what happens, he still thinks at the end of the game they have a chance to win if he has a ball in his hands, and he did that. On the other side, Jimmy G, rough day. I saw him against the, the Seahawks, and I'm like, man, he might you know, have tapped into something. But he goes 18 for 29, 211, and one touchdown, but had a critical interception late, and uh, he did a Dan Orlovsky. Mm-mm. Back at the end zone. They put, they put big white paint there for a reason, <laughs> so you know exactly where you are at. My man was lost, man. He, he, the field awareness. Sixty on that play.
0: Oh yeah, that'll that'll don't they upgrade uh the Madden ratings live now, you know what I'm saying? So oh, that's yeah. happened. Oh, so yeah. something's gotta take a little hit on that one for sure. <laughs> But at the end of the day, it was three turnovers that decided the game. Debo Samuel, he did pretty good, though. Five receptions, 73 yards. Jeff Wilson Jr., I mentioned, who had that critical fumble, did add 75 yards on the ground. So, again, something to continue to watch. Those Broncos are going to, I want to say, they're playing the Raiders next week, so we'll see what happens there. So that's what happened around the NFC West. Now it's time to get back into the Lions. Time to man up. Man up on Hawk Talk. Quarterbacks, where we start every week, we're looking at Jared Goff, someone that Seahawk fans are very familiar with. All the time He spent playing with the Los Angeles Rams. Jared Goff is entering his second season with the Lions and hoping to improve on a decent 2021. He threw for 3,244 yards with 19 touchdowns and 8 interceptions. Was also sacked quite a bit, 35 times. You know, on the positive note, it was the third time in his career where he only had single-digit interceptions, so he's doing a better job of taking care of the football which is good for him. And we know when Goff's in the right situation, he can be pretty good in the Rams Super Bowl year. He went crazy. 2018 passed for over 1,400, uh, 4,600 yards, 32 touchdowns. This year, modest, but still good. 66 of 112, 748 yards, seven touchdowns, and two interceptions. And, you know, this offense, this is a crazy thing. We've been talking about how good this offense is. Jared Goff has led this offense, and they started the season with a touchdown in 11 straight quarters, which is an Mm. NFL record. People wow. playing this game for a long time, so they scored a touchdown in every quarter. Unfortunately for them, the streak got snapped in the worst possible time, which is the fourth quarter against the Vikings last week in a game that they lost. But that just shows you they're consistent. They're moving the rock and they're doing good things on offense.
1: Yeah, man, good for Jared Goff. People kind of wrote him off, and he's not a a flashy type of player. But it goes to show you give him a run game, you give him a couple receivers. Things could happen. All right, let's look at Geno Smith versus the Detroit Lions defense. Another week of Geno being efficient. He uh, leads the NFL and completes in completion percentage at 77%. And then he's also seventh in QB rating with 100.8. He threw for 300 yards for only the fourth time in his career, the first time since 2014. He's tapping into the fountain of youth. That's good to see. Overall, in 2022, he's 79 of 102, 717 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. And the offense looked like it opened up a bit. That was the question. Like, what does opening up the offense look like for Geno and the Seahawks? To me, it looks like tight ends getting the football, scoring touchdowns. It looks like getting number 14 involved, getting his first touchdown. Tyler Lockett, intermediate routes, doing his thing. And then initially coming out that very first drive, they established the run. So they opened up the offense. The Lions are 28th in total defense. We talked about this earlier, giving up 408 yards. They give up 31 points per game. Last in the NFL. Let's score some points. Let's keep this offense open.
0: No question about it. They're proving that um, they're struggling stopping people right now. And with Geno and, and Shane calling a great game last week, I expect big things, and I'm looking forward to it because I think Geno really is, has command of this team and this offense right now, and there's only stuff to build on from last week. Now the running game. This is a big-time big, big time matchup because we alluded to how good the Lions are at running the football. They got a two-headed monster at running back. That's DeAndre Swift. And Jamal Williams. So we mentioned DeAndre Swift is most likely going to be out this week. We haven't got the official word. He's been day-to-day, but I believe Dan Campbell said today at his press conference that it would take – he would have to be significantly better than he is right now because I believe he was dealing with an ankle injury, and now he has the shoulder – But Swift is kind of what's been one of their best players last two years. Last year, he had 617 yards on 151 carries and five touchdowns. Also a big threat out of the backfield with catching the ball, 452 receiving yards and two more touchdowns. So the guy that's probably going to take a majority of the work is Jamal Williams, who's another great back. He had 601 yards on 153 carries and three touchdowns last year. This year, the Lions are the third best rushing attack in the National Football League so far, Jamal Williams has 43 carries, 168 yards, and four touchdowns. Now, Bump, that being said, we know the Seahawks have struggled to stop the run in the last two weeks. There's no secret there. Yeah. This is going to be, I think I alluded to it a little bit last week, without, it, without question again, I think this might be the biggest matchup this weekend, is how the Seahawks bounce back and, and fix some of the little things because if they don't, the Lions will continue to try to attack and exploit that rush
1: defense. Yeah, unfortunately – uh, Patterson went for 140. He got NFC offensive player of the week. We 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 don't need that. We don't need to contribute to any more of that nonsense. And it, it starts this week. A matchup, you know, I'm gonna be looking at left receiver and cornerback battles. You got a Monroe, St. Brown and Josh Reynolds for the Lions versus Tariq Woolen and Mike Jackson. Amon Ross St. Brown didn't come in the, the league with a lot of hype. Fourth round pick out of USC um, in 2021. He had 90 receptions for nine twelve and five touchdowns. He also had seven carries for 61 yards and a touchdown. And this season, he's doing his thing again 23 receptions, 253, and three touchdowns. He had a streak of eight games with at least eight receptions, but that was snapped on Sunday against the Vikings. That streak began last December, tied for the longest streak in history. So we just said, okay, they scored in 11 straight quarters. Yep. and then they have a receiver who's had eight receptions in eight straight games. Um, offensively, you know that they're going to be able to do some things. Then you got Josh Reynolds; he's the second leading receiver for this team. He has ten for one sixty-two and one touchdown. But here's where it's going to be tough for them. Tariq Woolen is figuring this thing out. He had his first interception against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, according to Pro Football Reference, he's allowing thirty-three percent passer rating when targeted. That's pretty good. Then the other side, you got Mike Jacks who's played uh pretty good so far this year as well. Uh, he's been flagged four times, but he's learning. It's yep. uh, Yes, it's his fourth year in the league. Hasn't got the reps that he's gotten, but I like where these two are going. I didn't expect these two to be the starters. I yep. thought it was going to be like Sidney Jones, maybe Trey Brown, but Tariq Woolen and Mike Jackson are, are surprising a lot of folks and playing good.
0: Yeah, love to see what we're seeing from them, and it's going to be interesting in the next couple of weeks because that cornerback room is going to continue to get healthier. Head coach Pete yep. Carroll talked about his press conference today that Trey Brown is a couple weeks away. Obviously, he has to stay out for an extended amount of time because he went on the PUP list. But And then Artie Burns is looking to be healthy for the first time. So every everything is with those rookies. You know, rookies. Tariq, the rookie. Mike Jackson, a player that doesn't have a ton of reps. With those guys playing well, and then you add more competition in the room, it only makes things better. So looking forward to that. Now, we'll keep it with your receivers, Michael Bumpus. Yes, sir. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett taking on Armani. And Jeff Akuda. <laughs> I just, just left it at Armani. I've not seen it. the pronunciation guide yet, so I'm going to just leave it there. armani You know what I'm saying? Armani-o.
1: Guaranteed somebody calls him that.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Guaranteed. Oh, I'm sure. Um, DK Bump was incredibly involved in the sense of he was targeted. It was a focal point that had to have been a check on the box for Shane Waldron in this offense to try mm-hmm. to get him more involved. He is targeted 12 times, ended the game with five receptions, 64 yards in his first touchdown on the year. Um, So far this year combined, he's got 16 catches for 135 yards and one touchdown. Tyler Lockett's had another great week. Two, second week in a row, he's had nine receptions. He's doing his thing. So those two combined were targeted 23 times on Sunday. That's a good recipe for success moving forward,
1: I think, in my opinion. I'm with you. Um, The more targets, the better. Now is the efficiency. Tyler Lockett is always efficient. I want to say career-wise, he's no – he's. No lower than seventy percent completion rate when you throw the football to him. With DK, it was more. It's more about volume. I'm just glad they they made it a point to focus on this dude,
0: for sure. And then defensively, the guys are going against. So Okuda was a third overall pick. People forget in 2020 draft. When you're when you're picked that high, there's heavy expectations. But he's been banged up the the first two seasons. He he had a season-ending groin injury, and then he messed up his Achilles. So he had to win the battle in in camp this year, and now he's our starting. You know, on the other side, he's got 14 tackles and two passes defended. And I think DK got asked about him today, and then they were kind of asking him because I feel like you know an article came out today, I believe it was on Pro Football Focus or somewhere, showing how he matched up against Justin Jefferson. Jefferson didn't have a lot of uh, catches last week, and how he might have taken him away which maybe slow your roll. Anytime Justin Jefferson isn't getting the ball, there's got to be other factors involved than yeah. someone just locking him up. And DK wasn't throwing any shade. He was just kind of like, well, I don't know if he's shutting people down. He's a good corner, but he's always got safety help over the top. So it, it'll be interesting this, this matchup this week. And on the other side, Armani, my guy, Armani, he's coming up. <laughs> he's coming up <laughs> a great season. He had six interceptions last year, third in the NFL, except last week, boy, Adam Thielen got after him. He was called mm. for six penalties. Four legal contacts, one holding, one PI. That's rough, man. So if man. you're Tyler Lockett bump, if you're seeing this, and you're watching film and you're DK and you're Tyler, you got to be looking your chops. Not saying these aren't good players, but if you're seeing someone who has six penalties in one game, there's obviously something that's not going right in that
1: facet of the game. Oh, yeah. Something ain't right. I'm going to attack him physically, and I might say something, too. Right before the game. They'll no, be holding me, man. And they got like six penalties last like, week. <laughs> I'm going to mention something to him. A little gamesmanship. Ain't nothing wrong with a little gamesmanship. Overship. You know what I'm saying? Next matchup, we're looking at the youngins. The young guys on the line are going to go at it. You got Aiden Hutchinson and Abe Lucas. Hutchinson was drafted second overall in this past draft. Uh, so far, man, his first three NFL games. He has seven tackles, three sacks, three QB hits, two TFLs, I mean, this dude is is everywhere. He is good as advertised. I wondered what that game. You always wonder what the transition is gonna be like. Like, can you be that dominant player you were at Michigan and bring that over to the NFL? And we got a, a sneak peek at him. Look at on um on um hard knocks. Yeah. you see his personality too. So I was like, Man, I like the dude, man. Like he yeah. can ball and I like his personality. But this week, man, we we need our tackles to hold up against him, right? So far in three games. 175 snaps, Charles Cross has allowed three sacks and eight pressures. Abe Lucas, 175 snaps, allowed zero sacks and seven pressures. We haven't been saying these guys' names a lot, right? Um, I think against the 49ers, Abe had a costly penalty being down the field, negated DK Metcalf's big catch, but other than that, I mean, they're not doing more or less than what a veteran would be doing at this point. Unless you're Walter Jones, and you don't ever have any any yeah. penalties or anything like that, which we ain't gonna see one of those in a while. I think they're they're playing okay for being some rookies.
0: No question about it. You said we're not we're not talking about them enough, which is great. Anytime you're not talking about the offensive line is a good thing. That's just kind of the nature of the beast. Even when they're doing a great job, you don't hear from them a lot. And no, well, it's a learning curve. To have three sacks allowed between the two of them. People are starting two rookie tackles in the National Football League. I mean, that's insane. That's Rare. insane. And, you know, going up against the likes of Joey Bosa and some of the other good guys in this league, I'm, I'm really impressed with with the, those two. So it'll be fun to watch the rookies go up against each other. You know, Aiden Hutchinson will move around a little bit, so it'll be interesting yeah. to see two top ten picks kind of duking it out. Bump. But all right, it is that time. We need to figure out how the Seahawks can get back in the win column, path to victory.
1: At the 45, waits for the snap.
0: Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away, and that kick is good.
1: The Seahawks win. It's good. It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk.
0: How are the Seahawks going to get this done, Michael Bumpus? They're going to get it done by stopping the run. We know they can do it. We know that's something that's in the DNA. That is a DNA of any Pete Carroll coach football team is stopping the run. It starts up front with big guys up front. They've allowed, you know, they're allowing 157 yards per game. And teams are going to continue to run the ball until they get that figured out. And I think another week they're going to get it figured out. It's little things here and there. It's not 11 guys screwing up on every play. It's one thing here, one thing there. And one little mistake can lead to a 40-yard run by Patterson. Can lead to an 18-yard touchdown. So if they can clean up those little things, they're right there. I have full confidence that they're going to get that figured out this week.
1: Yep, they're going to clean it up. And if they do that, they will eliminate the explosive plays. I saw at least two or three plays against the Falcons on third and long, where it's a 26 yard gain, 29 yard gain. You got a, a big run by Patterson to kind of seal the deal, 17 yard run for a touchdown. It's all explosive. Like this team plays good at times, and then there's one or two plays that kind of derail things. So they have to eliminate plays and then play fast and aggressive on defense. Like, you got to find a way to be disciplined, but be loose at the same time, mm-hmm. and just allow yourself to be the the great athletes that they are the the best athletes in the world, in my opinion. Play defense; they just get after it.
0: Yep, no, I love it. Play loose, play fast, man. Get north south, play fast. Love to see it. Hoping that gets going on this week, and keep DK and Tyler involved, man. Love the amount of targets they got against Atlanta. I think that's a winning recipe. It's just, like you said, figuring out the volume with DK and continuing that efficiency on both sides. So hoping they do that and also hoping to keep the tight ends involved. They're having drives where they're continuing to stretch the field and keeping that in and kind of disguising what Shane Waldron's calling because they're multiple and they're going to hurt you in the pass game and the run game. So keep all those pass catchers involved and it'll be a good recipe on Sunday.
1: All right, and let's get Rashad Penny going. Hasn't had a 100-yard game yet. 14 touches last week. He looked good. He looked fast. He looked strong. Keep feeding that young man and sprinkling a little Ken Walker in there, and I think they'll be all right.
0: No question about it. Ken Walker had that nice reverse, man. We're just seeing bits and pieces just a little bit. That boy can play now. Yes, sir. That'll do it for us. You've been listening to Hawk Talk, the preview edition. Seahawks heading over to Detroit to take on the Lions this Sunday. It's going to be an early one, 10 a.m. start, 7 a.m. on the radio for the pregame show. Reminder, you can catch us anywhere, Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Sirius XM, and more. We'll be back with you guys next week, hopefully talking about a Seahawk victory in Detroit. For Michael Bumbus, I'm Nassichobi. That is Hawk Talk. We will talk to you next week.